Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right. All right, citizens. What's up, Bray? Good to see you, Bray. Is Nikki here too? Yo, yo, Nikki. Come on in. Sit down, guys. Sit down. Find your seats. I'm glad that you are here because tonight is the series finale. Pum, pum, pum. You guys ever get to the end of a TV show and like you kind of low key don't want to watch it because you don't want it to be over because then you're going to feel like you miss your friends and then you're going to feel like a loser because you realize that your friends are like television characters that don't exist and don't know your name. Am I the only one? I'm the, am I the only one? I'm like, to this day, I have not watched the last episode of Downton Abbey, season eight, because I just, if I don't watch it, it's not over. They're still living in the house together as one big happy family, minus all the people who died. Respect the name. So, uh, hey, tonight, tonight is the series finale. We are wrapping up. This is the sixth and final week in our sermon series called Pictures and Parables. And so if you haven't been here, here's a really quick recap. We've looked at pictures and we've looked at parables. And then we repeat it. It's really simple. So we find our pictures from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book that teaches you how to be wise, but it doesn't just go, all right, if you want to be wise, number one, do this. Number two, open up a 401k. Number three, find a good spot. Number four, it kind of creates pictures and you see people, you see people walking around and doing things and they're like, dude, this is a picture of a wise person, right? And then parables, this is my boy, Jesus. He's sitting here and he's teaching. And Jesus, oftentimes, he would use word pictures, parables, little stories that made people go, what is he talking about? Oh, why is he talking about weeds and weeds? Oh, right. And so quick recap here. Quick recap, we started off with the wedding feast. Remember that one? That was an awesome parable about a king who invited people to come into the wedding and how God invites us and we have to respond well. We went from there to the book of Proverbs and we learned about the sluggard, sluggard right? Work ethic. We went back to the, uh, to, the, to the New Testament and we saw the parable of the laborers and the, and, the, and the owner was like, hey, if you come work for me, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'm like, yes! And then all day she's working. And then at the last hour, I go, hey, if you come work for me, I'll give you 10 bucks. And she goes, what? He gets the same price as me? Don't begrudge the grace of God. He will be gracious with whomever he wants to be gracious to, right? And then we jumped back to the Old Testament and we saw a picture out the window. And when we looked out the window, remember what we saw? The young fool who allowed sexual immorality to destroy his life. We jumped from there and we came last week, the wheat and the weeds. Remember what my pa used to taught me? That's what my pa always taught me. And so funny story is, I don't even want to spoil it. I kind of want it to be a surprise, but we bought a new house. There's legitimately a cornfield in our backyard. Le- legitness. I'm going to send you guys a picture one of these weeks. I'm going to give you guys my cornfield and I'm going to like be wearing my straw hat and maybe Jacob, you can let me borrow your, your vest again. That was pretty dope. And so we're going to continue. We have one more tonight. We're going to wrap up our series here. But before we begin, we're going to do a little game. All right. So I'm curious because I see you guys are social. You have a lot of you know, people you talk to. I'm just curious. 
Like how many people do you know? So stand to your feet if you know, like you think like in your life, you know a um, hundred people or more. At least, do you know a hundred people? Stand up to your feet. Let me see. <clears throat> like you know, like if you saw them, like you would know them. Not like you saw them on TV, right? Okay. All right. Stay standing. Stay standing if you think you know 200 people. So sit down if you know less than 200 people. You know 200 people? Okay. Like not just on TV. Like real life human beings. Okay. 200 people. 250 people. Do you think you know 250 people? All right. 300. Sit down if you know less than 300 people. Josh, 300 you know? Okay, easy? Okay. 400. 400 people. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, hey, 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 hey. Hey. I want you to stay standing if you think you know 500 people. Like, not just like, I know Steve Carell, I know Chris Pratt. I mean, like, like human beings that if you saw them, you would know who they are. 500. So you guys know 500 people. 500? 500 connections in your life. You know 500 human beings? Christian? Stay standing. Okay. 600. 600. 600. You, you can say, all right, yeah. Just don't mess up my, don't mess up my notes. All right, thanks, buddy. Who's still standing for real? 600-ish, Eva, Eva? Ava, I see you, Ava. All right, 750 people. You know that you know 750 people. You're like in sixth grade. There's no way you know that many people. 750 people? All right, all right, here we go. How many of you say you know, you think you legitimately know in your life a thousand people? Hey, Austin, do me a favor, sit down. Yep, you're out. There's no way you know a thousand people. Haven, no, a thousand people, Haven? You're related. All right, Austin, stand up. I stand corrected. Drew, for real? Probably more? How many people, Drew Martin, do you think you know in your life? 1,600 people. Wow. How about in the back? Newbert, how many people do you think you know? 15, 1,400, 1,500 range. After that, I start cutting people off. I'm like, I don't have any more capacity for you. I can't know you. How about you, Hobo Joe? 2,000? No. Wow, all right. Take a seat. Haven, how many do you know? A lot of people. All right, take a seat. Wow. Wow. Give it up for these popular kids. You know, like, I, I guess, I guess I really shouldn't be surprised I guess I really shouldn't be surprised because like in today's age, it is so easy to make connections, right? Like, yo, I, I literally just jumped on my computer today, right? And like my computer, not even a human being, my computer is working to get me more connections. And so I get this little thing, right? And I was signed into Kyle Cohen's account because he never logged off my computer. And so... <laughs> Oops, <laughs> I have a little bit of fun with that. Right? And it's like, you have a new friend suggestion. And it's like, boom, two more connections. It's easy. 
every once in a while, I'll be scrolling through and I'm not even like realizing what I realize anymore because it's just all a blur. But every once in a while, Facebook will make it really easy and it'll give me a button. And it's like, just press the button. You can have more. And so once, bro, no joke, I'm going through my friend suggestion or my friend uh, request. And I'm just like, why are all these people requesting me? Facebook is super sneaky. Without even alerting you to it, it it's the same color button in the same position. And if you're not careful, it goes from um, approve friend to request friend. So I'm literally just going down this list going approve, approve, approve. And I'm just pressing the blue buttons. And I'm like, I don't even know these people. Oh my gosh, I'm sending friend requests. <laughs> it's so easy to make connections. Dude, if you really want connections, if you really want connections, all you have to do is like create a vlog or a blog or a TikTok or do something that goes viral. You will be put before thousands of people that you now have connection to. So some of you guys in here who are like pushing the 1500 to the 2000 range, I bet you guys have a lot of followers. I bet you have a lot of, uh, you, you have a lot of influence in the social media realm. That's probably the best way to make connections. If your connections come from your classroom, you're like, I know 32 people, right? And half of them I don't talk to because they're weird. But you get a viral video, yo, you get a viral video, and you, I mean, 10,000, I met a kid at Union, who, where's Paige? Paige, are you here? Paige Holstad, remember you introduced me to that one dude? Because you guys, so I went to Union. We're hanging out at lunch, we're chilling. And uh, I brought her chicken sandwiches and stuff and everybody's eating and it's awesome. And I go, hey, in exchange for a chicken sandwich, what if you guys created me a TikTok for Pastor Sam and we just make it go viral? And I was like, who's like the number one kid in this school who can help me get a viral video? Because like, that's like the thing, to be TikTok famous, right? Like, you're like, one day when I grow up, I want to be TikTok famous. And I'm like, you're a loser, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You are, you are. No, no, stop, stop, right? Stop it, because I want to be TikTok famous. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Hey, so, so Paige goes, oh, you got to meet this kid. She brings this kid over, and he goes, oh, I don't remember his name, but he's like, oh, yeah, I got two million views on my video the other day. I was like, two million? That's like all the people in our country put together. Two million people have seen your, but hey, if you want to make connections, that's a great way to do it. So, so my buddy here, um, I won't tell you his name because he may be watching right now from the other side of the country. My buddy has a friend uh, in Japan. Do you know how he met his friend? Seven years ago. Has he ever been to Japan? Nope. Has his friend in Japan ever been to America? Nope. They met on Mike playing Call of Duty. <laughs> Yo, to the, no, 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 listen, like, no, no, this, this is amazing because like the connection wasn't like, it started off as simply, oh dude, I love playing with this guy. He's funny. They keep playing together. I mean, they're like, like he got invited to the guy's wedding. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, yo, COD for life, huh? I mean, I guess it is so easy to make connections. I had a student in my home, and I will not tell you her name, but her initials are Katie Gifford. <laughs> I won't tell you her name. And she was babysitting my child, and she invited me to play in a little game on our phones. I won't even tell you the name, right? And I said, and I said all right, we'll play. And she said this to me. She goes, oh, I wonder if my bestie's on. Oh, like who from the youth group do you play with? No, I, I found a new bestie. Where'd you find the bestie, Katie? 
I found her hanging out on a spaceship with a bunch of strangers. I was in the spaceship and, and he had a funny name and I had a funny name and we ended up playing together for three hours on a spaceship. That is hilarious. And so I found myself a bestie a little bit later too, and now we play among us. Um, but it is what it is. And so in your world, young teenagers, it is easier than ever to make connections. I am not surprised that there are people who know a thousand people in this room. It is so easy to connect and to meet and to mingle. But here's my question. In a world of connections, in a world of social media, in a world of being viral and famous and influencers, I wonder, in a world like this, have we watered down and forgotten what it means to be a good friend? I didn't ask you how many friends you had. I said, how many people do you know? <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. And I go, cool. But how many friends do you have? What is a good friend? Here's why this is important. Because you guys all want to have good friends. Like you, you grow up on the playground. Do you want to be my friend? Do you want to be? Like you, you know there's something inside of you because God designed it this way. You are made to know and to be known. But because you live in a world of connections, if you're not careful, you're gonna go through the rest of your life expecting friends to just be found. Expecting friends to find you. But what I wanna leave you with today, you need to remember that good friendships aren't found, they're formed. Good friendships aren't found, they're formed. And so you go, it's your first day of high school, right? And you're like, I hope I find friends, right? You graduate college, you graduate high school and you're leaving, man, you have like 12 years with these people and you just, I hope I find friends in college. You graduate college, you go to a new church, you start your career. I hope I find new friends in my workplace. I hope I find new friends in my, in my job. I hope I find new friends in my community. And the whole world is hoping to find friends. But students, if you can learn this now, your life will be so much better and more full and more satisfying. Good friendships aren't found. They're formed. And so I wanna teach you tonight, how do you form those friendships? If you want to form a friendship, then you need to know what they look like. And so tonight, we're going to answer the question, what does a good friend look like? What does a good friend look like? And so like I said earlier, we're in pictures and parables. We're going to go to the book of Proverbs. I've collected several different Proverbs for you. And when we put those Proverbs together, when we start to stack them on top of one another like a mosaic, we start to see a picture of what a good friend looks like. And there are three things I want to show you. Everybody say three Three things I want to show you that if you can understand this, if you can get this, you will be able to form beautiful, soul-satisfying friendships. 
and you'll be able to be a beautiful, life-giving, soul-satisfying friend. So who in this room wants to have a good friendship? Who in this room wants to be a good friend? Well, then let's take a look. Starting in the book of Proverbs chapter 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The first ingredient of friendship, the picture of a good friend first, it includes the first element is constancy. Constancy. Same word as constant. Okay, oh, got it, got it. I just had to put C's on the end so they can all match, okay? The first element, constancy. A good friend, they love you. A good friend is there for you. When are they there for you? When are they there for you? At all times. They're not just there for you when things are going well. They're not just there for you when you're healthy. They're not just there for you when you're fitting in and popular. They are there in the bad. They are still available when times are rough. And as a matter of fact, they are so constant that it's almost as if they are born for adversity which means this, you're having a moment. You're having a hard time. You're having a season of adversity. And that person is so perfect for your situation. Their presence in your life is so needed that you, you can't help but go, I feel like God made them for this moment. They are born for adversity. They were put here in my life to stick with me through adversity. It's in those hard moments when their friendship sustains you. It's when life hits you and they're still there. You know how you, you doesn't matter how well you get along with your brother or your sister. It doesn't matter if you like your mom or your dad. Like their last name will, will always be your last name unless you get married to a Huna. I get it, okay? But think about this, like brothers, brothers, right? Like, hey, your, your brothers, right? I'm looking at guys who have no brothers here. Oh, uh, brother, brother, okay. Like your brother will always have your, that's a constant, right? I love here, notice what he does, the author. He uses friend and brother synonymously, interchangeably. He first, in the first line, he's talking about your friend. And then in the second line, he's talking about your brother. What? Wait, I thought we were talking about friends. He is, but in hard moments, you can't even tell the difference. That's how constant a good friend is. A good friend is constant. You want a friend like that? Me too. But can I give you some sad news? Not everybody has that kind of friend. As a matter of fact, we see one right here. We see a man here and he doesn't have a constant friend. Instead, he has many companions, many companions. If he was in here and I was saying, how many people do you know? He'd still be standing. John Kerry's like, I know 2000. He's like, I knew 2000 yesterday, right? Ember's like, I know 1500. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I forgot 1500 yesterday. This guy's always surrounded by people. He's the guy in school who's never alone. You know what I mean? 
He's the guy who has never eaten alone a day in his life. He's the guy that maybe even just want to like, you know, if there was like the lights got turned off in the middle of a fire drill, nobody was looking, you might even just like punch him in the face and just be like, oh my gosh, what was that? You know, just, just, just see what it felt like to hit him. You know, like just, I don't condone violence here. I'm just saying. Popular, always have a crowd around him. He's the guy, he's the guy that it's almost like if you want to talk to him in class, it's like take a number and wait in line, hon, because I am busy. You know, it's just like, mm, that guy. And, and you look at that guy and you start to think to yourself, I want to be him. I want to be her. I mean, she always has friends. She always has so many admirers. Everybody's always looking at her. Everybody's always around her. She has so many people. Never was bored a day in her life. But notice, she doesn't have any friends. She has many companions. What's the difference? Well, remember, a constant friend is someone who makes your day of adversity bearable. A constant friend is someone who is there around you. And even when life is hard, you go, I'm going to make it. This person didn't have anybody like that. How do we know? Because this guy's day of adversity resulted in ruin. You see, there's a difference, students, between what we call constant friends and convenient companions. And a lot of what you guys call friendship are simply these. They are convenient companions. Here's what I mean. You meet a friend in class. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a person on your swim team. And you both, you don't say this out loud, but both, you both understand this. It goes without saying Neither of you like being alone. Like neither of you do well when you're home alone and you're bored. And so, because you don't want to be alone, there's this silent agreement. Well, hey, if we're both bored, we'll just, we'll just keep each other company. They're not really there for you. You're not really there for them. I, I know some of you where you'll talk to people on social media regularly. You'll keep streaks alive regularly. And when you see that person in school in person, you don't even talk to them because it's kind of awkward because you kind of both know the rules. We're just social media friends. And so these are the kind of people, they're not constant friends. They're the kind of people that you send this message to. You're laughing, but you've all sent it. Oh shoot, I gotta keep my streak alive. Random ceiling tile. I'm sorry, it gets even better. This is a work of art, ready? So check this out. Notice how we get a little bit of the LED light from the room. Ah, oh, super fresh. And then notice, not only do we have the LED light right here at the, at the five o'clock, look what we have at the seven o'clock, a lock of hair, illuminated, backlit, by said LED lights. Ah, oh, do you see the depth of this relationship? Talking about the angles, it gets better. Look at this. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. door jam for the win. <laughs> give me some door jam in my life, man. I was in the day of adversity and this brother gave me some door jam. Thought I needed the scripture. No, no, I needed some door jam. 90 angles of goodness. Oh, just feeling good. And then he topped it off with this, topped it off with this one. Check this out. Whoosh! I didn't just get straight hair lock. I got curvaceous hair lock. 
he was in motion and the wind caught right above his earlobes and swooshed his, I mean, I never talk to this guy. We just keep our streak alive. We're on day 693. Those kind of, like, listen, listen, listen. Those kind of relationships are okay. You can do that. But if that's the extent of your relationships, then listen to me, young brother and sister. If this is the extent of your relationships, then in the day of adversity, you too may come to ruin. Because you're not surrounded with constant friends. You have populated your life with many convenient companions. Instead of cultivating constant friendships, you have collected convenient companions. So it's okay to do those things, but notice the difference. And realize that if you choose to pursue and cultivate and do this, look what happens to you. You will discover a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so we had up top, right? A constant friend is like your brother. A constant friend, they're synonymous. They're interchangeable. As a matter of fact, it's better. He sticks closer than a brother because your brother has to be close to you because you share your last name and some genes. But a friend who you've chosen to go to that depths with, a constant friend. Is your world filled with countless convenient companions. Or are you doing the hard work? Are you going to the depths with a friend? Are you pushing through the awkward phases are you lasting long enough in your friendship past the exciting honeymoon phase of a new friend? Everybody loves making new friends. But when the shininess wears off, are you a constant friend? It takes six years to build a six-year friendship. And a lot of times we want a six-year friendship in six days. Confession time. Um, you guys know me, right? I don't, I, I'm not gonna tell you anything you don't know. I'm sure you're not surprised, but um, remember the guy I talked about earlier who had many companions in his life? I was describing me. You wanted to punch yourself in the face? Every day. Every day. Because I'm so gregarious, I'm outgoing. Right, God made me this way, but as a teenager, I had no way, I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> like, as a teenager, I was accepted at any cafeteria table. I could talk, like, I just literally, I was a social butterfly. And people always said that as a compliment. Wow, Sam, we just, you could talk to anybody. You could talk to anybody. And little did they know that on the inside, I was dying. Because though I could talk to anyone, I didn't belong to anyone. And at a young age, the Lord even started to teach me and teach me that he created that desire in me, which we'll get to. That's a good desire. But because I always had a ton of people around me, I loved having a ton of people. I enjoyed especially making new friends. Anybody surprised? I was the first person in the school to meet every new person. 
My teacher, she shouted me out one day at the end of the school year, we're going around and she goes, Sam, stand up. And she points like five different new kids who had come to the class that year. And, and they're all plugged into this day. I'm in their weddings and, and their brothers, you know. Um, and she goes, and she starts to ask him, hey, who welcomes you into this class? Sam, Sam, Sam. And it was like, oh, and I was flattered. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. God made me that way. That's a gift. But here's where that went wrong. I loved making new friends so much that once the shininess wore off of a new friendship, I started to move on to new friends and I forgot how important it was to maintain and continue to cultivate my constant friends. Have you ever been there? You cannot be a good friend without being available, without being constant, even when times are rough. Because the first component of good friendship is constancy. Let's look at the second one. Let's keep moving through the Proverbs here. We have constancy, and now look at uh, chapter 25. (laughs) If you're hungry, I apologize ahead of time. This is my favorite part of the sermon. If you have found honey, everybody go, honey. Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I'm only joking. You want to know what a good friend looks like? Number one, a good friendship has constancy. Number two, a good friendship is marked by carefulness. A good friendship is marked by carefulness. Here's what I mean by that. Eyes up here. A good friend is emotionally sensitive. A good friend is paying attention to, she is aware of the dynamics that are happening in the relationship. She can get and sense when something's off. He understands what's going on. He knows the dynamics of the relationship. So do you want to see a person who doesn't understand the dynamics of a relationship? You want to see it? You want to see a person? Let me give you one right here. (laughs) Here's a dude. And he has found honey. Honey's yummy. Honey, good. Eat honey. So this homeboy, he starts scooping honey and he's eating it and he's eating it and he's eating it. But here's the difference. Most people know that you should only eat enough for one person. This guy needs to be told, eat only enough for you. Seven jars later, he's, oh, honey for days, right? This guy never wants to eat honey again. He has gorged himself, not just enough for one, he has gorged himself with enough honey for three people. What a doofus, right? I did this. You're like, that's deep. No, no, literally, I did this. (laughs) I was in sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no, don't listen. Don't make fun of me, okay? Because this, this is still raw. I was in sixth grade. Anybody here? Fun fact trivia. Anybody know what Sam's favorite cookie is? Not homemade. What's Sam's favorite cookie? 
Oreos. Oatmeal raisin, you're dead to me. <laughs> Oatmeal raisin. Dude, the reason I have trust issues is because I've gone for a chocolate chip cookie one too many times to bite into a raisin. Oh, who puts raisins in cookies? It's the same people who make Almond Joys. Oh. So anyway, so check it out, so check it out. I'm in sixth grade. I'm in sixth grade, and right around sixth grade, I don't know about you guys, sixth grade is like the, the time where I'm, where I'm allowed to like start staying home alone. Is that around you guys too? Right? Like my mom will go to the grocery store, she'll start to kind of test me. All right, I'm gonna go to the grocery store for 30 minutes. If I come back and you're not dead, we'll do this again, okay? <laughs> I'm like, all right, done, easy, all right? And so, um, and so she buys Oreo cookies. And at that time, it was, a very, it was part of the ritual of our home, um, we had what's called snack time. Like, does anybody have a dedicated snack time? It's at night before bed. And like that was, it was held at that time because anything you did during the day can and will be used against you in the court of desserts. And so all day, that was just looming over your head of like, if you don't stop that, you're not getting snack tonight. And I was like, because I need my Oreos. And so my mom left me home alone. And um, not like that home alone, just to the grocery store. Uh, no airplanes were involved. And um, dude, I... I'm just weak. <laughs> I'm so weak. And the Oreo cookies were sitting there on the counter. And I just want to share with you my math so that way you can judge me a little bit less. Like, here's what I'm thinking. If one Oreo cookie equals one pleasure point, then two Oreo cookies equals two pleasure points. And five Oreo cookies equals five pleasure points. And, and I just saw this, like, I didn't understand the law of diminishing returns yet. So I was just like, the more, the better. You know what I'm saying? And so no joke, I wish I was lying about this, right? I grabbed 10 Oreo cookies out of the thing, right? And I was like, I'm guilty, right? So I can't even like sit at the table. I grab them and I run to my room and I'm just, <laughs> who has Oreo cookies? And I'm just like, <sighs> my heart is racing. I just stole <laughs> and it tastes so good, you know? And I literally, I have 10 Oreo cookies in my bed. And then I realized, Holy cow, I can do something I've never done before. At night time, snack time, I get milk. Your boy's like, I'm about to dip, dip my Oreos into chocolate milk. So I go back into the kitchen, right? I go back into the kitchen. And I don't, again, if you're in sixth grade, you get this. Your mom controls the chocolate pump. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, the, you know what I'm saying? It's chocolate milk, right? And so I got my Oreos right here. Right? And then my mom was always the one who goes, no, 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 I do it. That was my mom. Mom, can I put it? No, 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 I do it. I do it. Well, guess what? Mom's not home. I do it. <laughs> and so she usually puts a tablespoon of chocolate syrup in. <laughs> I, I'm not making this up. I grab the bottle, I hold it over the milk, and I just start squeezing. You know what it's like, wash your hands, like A, B, C, D, E. Is that what you're supposed to do? Or happy birth, something like that. I'm, I'm like all the nursery rhymes. I'm like, Mary had a little lamb, ba-ba black sheep, twinkle, twinkle, who are you? Sam, I am. I'm like all of them. <laughs> Chocolate milk was black. And so I grab the cup and guess where I go? Back to my room and I'm in my room. And I'm just like, I'm at my desk. I got a stack of 10 Oreo cookies and chocolate milk. And I'm just like, I'm like having like a seizure at this point. I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed with goodness. Like this is about to be the best thing ever because one Oreo cookie equals one pleasure point. One tablespoon of chocolate milk equals one pleasure point. I'm like on a hundred right now before that was even a thing. To this day, listen to me. I'm not, I'm not lying. To this day, 
I can taste the horrible taste of that chocolate milk. I went to drink and, I, and I'm not even just like, let's take a little sip to see what it tastes like. I know what it tastes like, it's chocolate milk. And so I just and I throw up in my room. There was so much chocolate. It was like, I, it was like I put milk in my chocolate syrup. Like you didn't even have to stir it because it's just sitting. <laughs> to this day, I taste it. And you see, that story shows that as young people, we often don't have enough wisdom to know when, to, when, to know when enough is enough. And so just like the man, just like the man who ate so much honey that he vomited out, I said, well, it's good. What, like, if I add more, that just means more good, right? And we gorge and we gorge and we gorge until we wake up and we go, ugh. How many of you have ever eaten so much of a certain candy or movie theater popcorn or something that you throw up and to this day you can't, you can't even eat it, right? Like to this day you won't even look at it, right? What was yours? Swedish fish, right? If you really want to make this guy upset, bring him some Swedish fish, okay? Like, it's like in a fetal position. I don't want the fish. No more fish. All right, here's the point. Here's the point of this picture. I've been doing this for nine years now. And every year I see the same thing. I see students who get a little taste of community. I see students who get a little taste of friendship. And, and, then, and then especially you upper high schoolers, sophomores and juniors, you start to drive and you get a little taste of independence. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can have friends over to my house now. And it's not even like my mom, like I can host party. I can do, and you get a little taste and you're just like little sixth grade Sam. Well, if one night of hanging out is one pleasure point, then boom, 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 boom. And I start to see it. And you guys know what I'm talking about because I'm talking about you, right? Where you've had seasons of your life where you go, well, if this tastes this good in community, what if I just stack it up? And what happens is you, you realize you went on a 17-day stretch and you guys hung out every night for 17 days straight. Six nights a week with each other, endless group chats, texting every day, no substance to the conversation, just door jams. Just talking, not to say anything, just to be together because you love each other. And oh my gosh, this must be what community is. Until one day you wake up and you go, oh, I never want to see those people again in my life. And right now I'm saying something that the light bulbs are going off and you're going, is this why I go from ex-friend group to ex-friend group to ex-friend group? The Lord created community to taste good. He created friendship to be good, but a good mark of friendship is carefulness. And you are careful to not let your foot be in your neighbor's house too much. Do you see the hilarity, the hilarity of this? Don't eat, too, don't eat too much honey. You'll get sick of it. Don't let you be in your neighbor's house too much. They'll be sick of you. Stop going over to their house every night. Give it a break. The fire pits will be there next week. The group chats will be there tomorrow. The game nights will be great next week. Give each other a break. But why we love each other? Do it so that you continue to love each other. Do it so that your friends don't start ghosting you and you're like, what's wrong with them? Oh my gosh, I wonder if they're okay. They're like, yes, I'm okay. I'm just vomiting you out. I love you guys. That's why I can tell you the way it is, right? 
A mark of a good friendship is carefulness. They are careful to understand the dynamics of the relationship. They're also careful to understand the personal dynamics and what's going on one-to-one in a room. Let me show you, right? Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. Are you able to answer this question with relative ease? Let me ask you, think about your friend. Right now, picture a friend in your mind. I'm gonna ask you some questions. Is he hurting? Oh no. Okay. Is she tired? Good question. Is he down? What's his emotional state right now? A good friend is sensitive. A good friend is careful to recognize where another person is emotionally, and then they connect with them on that level. So a good friend is careful. Where's my friend at? Where's my friend? There she is. I'm going to connect with them on that level. So imagine this dude, he's, he, he's, he's going up to his buddies, right? He's like, <laughs> 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 he's throwing arrows at them. And they're like, dude, like, that's not funny. Like, I don't appreciate that. Human. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's my arrow. <laughs> dude, <laughs> bows and arrows. Whoosh. <laughs> he thinks it's funny. He's having a good time with it. That person's not interested. He's doing it so much, the person takes one in the juggler and they die. And then he has the audacity to go, come on, why do you have to die for? Can't you take a joke? I was just joking. A good friend is emotionally sensitive. You cannot be insensitive. You cannot ignore where someone is emotionally and then just go, I was just kidding. Nobody wants to be around that. I'm just being one of the guys. No, you're being one of the lonely guys because you're not going to have any friends. Okay. Well, she, she just has to learn how to take a joke, doesn't she? No, no, no. You need to learn how to be careful. Okay. There's a mood. There's a time for everything. And sometimes people are in the mood. Sometimes people aren't. You want to be a good friend? Be sensitive to that because that will destroy a relationship. Here's another picture. Imagine you're going around here and you have a heavy heart. Anybody know what it feels like to have a heavy heart? Right? I mean, like just, like it literally feels like the heart inside you just is heavy and you're just like, you're dragging. And imagine I come through and I start singing songs. I'm like, this is the, everything is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, right? And you have a heavy heart and you're just like, if you have enough energy, you may even say like, get a clue. If I just carry on singing happy songs to you while you're sad, I'm not being a good friend. That's like me ripping off your coat in the middle of winter and I'm leaving you there uncaring, cold. See, a good friend is careful to say, when you're sad, I'm sad. When you're happy, I'm happy. A friend is careful to give the gift of emotional connection. And when you have a friend and you, when you are a friend who can give the gift of emotional connection, it's like a cozy blanket that envelops you and comforts you on a warm day or on a cold day, but comforts you with warmth. See, if you want to have good friendships, constancy, carefulness, and the third one, 
is candor. I'm gonna teach you a vocab word here, okay? Candor is this, being open and honest. Frank. Like my dad's name is Frank. Yeah, I'm not talking about him. (laughs) Open and honest, being frank with someone. A good friend will tell you how it is. Wait a minute. In love. A good friend is not afraid to help you look in the mirror and help you see yourself when necessary. Not because they want to hurt you, not because they're like, "Mm," but because they love you. A good friend will tell you the truth that you need to hear. Good friends are truth tellers but the choice is yours because here's what you can do. Check this out. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Would you rather have the wounds of a friend or the kisses of an enemy? Think about it. Wounds, wounds hurt. They sting That doesn't feel good. But wounds that come from a heart that truly loves you and is constant to you and careful, that's what that one is. Kisses, kisses feel good. Kisses are exciting, right? All the middle schoolers in the room are like, (laughs) tell me more. Kisses feel good. Kisses are expressions of affection. Kisses are ways that we say, I love you. Would you like a kiss? From a heart that says, I actually hate you. So would you rather have a temporary wound from someone who loves you and is telling you how it is, or would you rather be flattered and loved by someone who actually, it's all just a show? Sometimes there are words that your friend needs to hear and they're gonna be painful to hear, students, but they need to hear them. And so we don't do it like a jerk. Go back to number two. We do it very carefully, okay? Carefully, but we do it nonetheless. If you don't tell your friend the truth because you love them too much, notice what you just did. You literally just did the kisses of an enemy. I'm not gonna give them the truth because I love them. No, that's what enemies do. Enemies don't give them the truth. They give them kisses. Friends give the truth, even when it hurts. People say, well, I can't tell them. It's just, I don't want to tell them that because I just love them too much. No, you're actually loving yourself and you're loving being comfortable and you're loving getting to avoid a difficult conversation. Okay. But when friends can have candor, when the the friendship is marked by candor, it's like iron sharpening iron. Sparks sometimes. I don't even know the sound effect. Shing, shing, whatever that is. You know, it's my buttons app is broken. And so you have iron sharpening iron and it's brutal and there's pieces of it coming off on each other. But the result is they are both better. See, when you have a friendship that is marked by candor, you will both emerge from the other side stronger and better. You still want a good friendship? I know you do, so do I. But good friendships are not found. They are formed. They are formed. 
So that's it. That's the Proverbs. Isn't that a beautiful picture? How many of you guys want a friend like that, right? Keep your hands up. Show me. How many of you want a friend like that? Okay, okay. Now keep your hand up. How many of you will be a friend like that? Okay. You see, we read, we read these verses. I paint a picture of friendship. And for some of you, you may even be a little bit sad right now because all you can think about is, man, I want a friend like that. And maybe you're even like me when I was growing up and you have ex-friend after ex-friend after ex-friend because you're looking for the perfect friend. You're still looking for that perfect friend group. But check this out. I'm gonna show you something here, okay? Jesus Christ, the night before he died, he was desperately trying to convey to his disciples what he was about. And in John 15, five, he says, I am laying down my life for my friends. I call you my friends. No longer do I call you servants. I call you my friend. And in that one moment, the entire history of mankind clicks into place and we realize we were made for friendship. We were made to commune and connect with someone so perfectly and deeply. And when we come to Jesus and we hear his words, we realize we find friendship with God. He's my king, he's my judge, he's a creator. Jesus said, you're my friend. When you come to God through his son, Jesus Christ, you are no longer an enemy of God. You're brought near. You are a friend of God. And guys, look what happens when that giant hole in your heart that says, I just want a friend so bad. When you realize that Jesus fills that and you go, click. The friend that you've been longing for so desperately, the perfect friend, you have him. And now, when the people around you fall short of that perfection, grace. Hey, grace, not the per- grace to you, grace to you. Hey, you hurt my feelings. What did I expect? You're human, but I already have the perfect friend. His name is Jesus. So my question to you, are you a friend of Christ? The friendship that we are so longing for, students, was found when Jesus came down and gave us the perfect picture of friendship. Jesus is constant. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't say, oh, you, you're bad today. I'm not. He's always with us, thick and thin, good and bad. He's careful with us. He knows exactly how to speak to us on the days that we need it. And he always tells us the truth. Jesus is a truth teller. And he tells us the truth out of love. Jesus is the perfect friend. Are you a friend of Christ? You can be. You can be. Second question for you, second thought, another response. Yes, we have a heavenly friend in God and in Christ, but I wanna talk to you for a moment about your earthly friendships. Because not only is Jesus our friend, when he comes into our life, he enables us to be a good friend. And so some of you guys, as I was preaching, you were looking through your contacts and you're going, good friend, bad friend, good friend, bad friend. And you're looking through your context going, who, who should I prune out? Who's not a good friend? Who's not this? Who, maybe I should dump him. Maybe I should. But here's the catch. And here's what you have to learn. The Bible tells us that none of us are good friends by nature. 
I don't care how many friends you have. I don't care how many people you know. None of us are good friends by nature. We're actually born with sin. And do you know that sin destroys friendships? Because sin wants me to focus on me. So I'm not going to be careful about you because what about me? And I'm not going to be honest with you because what about me? And I'm, I'm not going to, what's the first C? I'm not going to be constant to you because what about me? And our sin literally destroys friendships. But when Jesus comes into our life, he removes the sin and he helps us learn how to live for him. And now you guys are a group of students who are learning how to live for him. And part of learning how to live for Jesus is how to be a good Christ-like friend. So as you're evaluating your earthly friendships, give grace because you're learning. Now, Grant, maybe there are people in your life that you need to prune. That takes wisdom. Talk to leaders about that, okay? But, but let us not remove relationships from our life that have godly potential just because our feelings got hurt. Let's not start to remove people from our life that have that godly potential for constant friendship because they weren't perfect. We're all learning how to be good friends. The spirit is changing us, which means there is hope for us. And so let that hope inspire you to make your young friendships thrive to work hard tonight to make your young friendships blossom into life-giving friendships. So the next question for you, how are your friendships? How are your friendships going? Do they exemplify these qualities? You're like, man, now that I realize it, I have not been very constant. As soon as I was bored, I just peaced out. Man, I have not been very careful. I'm just always joking. I'm always making jokes to other people. I'm always picking on them and they don't like it, but I don't care. Oh. Man, candor, I just tell people whatever they like to hear, so they like me. I never tell people the truth. Which of these qualities can you start working on? If you want more than just companions, if you want a good friend, students, if you want to taste the joy of brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ, then maybe be friends who exemplify the perfect friend with constancy, carefulness, and candor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful picture in your word. You teach us so much, and we want to change, Lord. We want to be different. But Lord, we can't just change by willpower. We can't just change by trying harder. We need your spirit, God. And so we humbly confess right now, all of us in this room, God, change us. God, change us. We need you. Change us by your spirit. And I pray, Father, that for years to come, there will be friendships in college and in adulthood and in marriage and in, and in family, friends, beautiful, blossoming friendships and relationships that started here because you taught your students how to be a good friend, how to form good friendships that look more and more like Jesus. So Lord, please, may we cultivate Christ-centered community. May we have friendships that point us to be closer to Jesus. I pray, Father, for the relationships right now that are dragging each other down, for those relationships that are weights, that are pushing people further from Christ and closer to sin. Lord, I pray that you would redeem those friendships. Prune where you need to prune, redeem and restore where you need to redeem and restore. Give wisdom, Lord. Give leaders insight to come into hard situations.
Far be it from us to have community, to have people in our community that are, that are, are causing each other to sin and to stumble. So please forgive us. We love you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.